Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. All right, stand up. Hold your Bibles up, your iPhones. Those of you watching online, if you're in the airport, go ahead and stand up and hold your iPhone up. All right. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. How many of you know that we often follow the words of our mouths? We speak and we do. Rarely do we do and we speak. We often declare ahead of time, sometimes without realizing it, what we're going to do, what we're going to be, where we're going. We first begin to talk about it. So every time we do the confession, the idea is to get our hearts set on hearing the word of God and going in that direction. So that's why we do that. For those of you who are curious, uh, it's, we have a reason for that. So we're continuing a series on community, and the title today is Contributing to Community. And I know that oftentimes there are people who say, you know, I don't need any more friends, or I don't need to be a part of a small group, I don't need what they have to offer. I want to reverse this a moment and say, you know, have you ever thought about maybe the small group needs what you have to offer? Maybe you bring something to the table that you haven't thought about. Maybe your presence or something that you would have to say could give direction to someone else's life. Too often when we make decisions, we make decisions solely on how they affect us, how they impact us without realizing the significance that our decisions have on other people. And so I am so grateful for the people who chose uh, to be a part of my life, not because it necessarily at any given moment benefited them, but their presence benefited me. And so I want us to think outside the, the, the lines and, and, and just the thought of, you know, what I need. What do other people need? Too often we diminish the significant role that we play in this lifetime and on this earth in how our presence or our words might impact someone else. We get stuck, if you will, in a rut of getting up every day, Monday morning, 6.30. You do the same thing. You eat the same thing. You drink a cup of coffee. You take the same route to work. You've been working at the same place for 20 years. And actually, you're really good at it. And, and then you come home using the same route. When you get home, you do the same thing. You go to bed at the same time. You watch the same TV shows. And let me tell you the problem with that is it reduces your level of understanding of how significant the things that you did all day long really are. Because you get good at it. And because you get good at it, you don't have to think about it. And when you don't think about it, you don't realize the impact that you're making on society and on the culture in which we live. You know, so at, what I want us to think about is, you know, I do have something to offer somebody. You think your life is mundane, that nobody could possibly benefit from what you bring to the table. But let me tell you, you are a very significant part of the mosaic that God is creating in this world. And so small groups are all about that, all a part of that. And you contribute something to community if you choose to. And so 
it's very, very important as you think about the next three to four weeks before small groups start, uh, how important it's going to be. The Bible says those who walk with the wise grow wise, but a companion of fools comes to ruin. You have to ask yourself the question, are the people that I'm hanging out with now making any kind of difference in my life at all? Some people will make a difference in your life, but it's not for the good. If you hang around someone who's always whining and complaining, there's a really good chance that you will begin whining and complaining just like they are. And so there is a good chance, however, that if you can see a turn and you can look at them and say, you know, maybe if you tried not whining and complaining so often, things would change in your life. I choose not to whine. I choose not to complain. I, I choose. And so if you can't get them to turn, they're going to get you to turn. And so the idea here is elevating your relationships and holding each other accountable to go to higher levels. If people aren't taking you to higher levels, then they may just be keeping you where you are or pulling you down. So ask yourself that question. Do you have friends who sharpen you or do they make your life even more dull? Maybe you ought to ask them. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You've heard the old saying, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. So we have to be always be aware of what's going on around us, who we're connected to, who we're linked to, and figure out how much those relationships uh, strengthen us, how much they weaken us. And so you get to set the bar. You get to establish the standards in your life. At the end of your life, when you and I uh, draw our last breath and we are transitioned into eternity, and Jesus will not ask us uh, about other people. He will ask us about us, what we did with what we knew, what we did with what we learned. These are all very important things, not to put fear in us, but to realize we are responsible for our destiny. I am authoring the book entitled The Life of Mark Crow. And so I'm writing it every day. The story of my life is being written every day. And you know what? I can, I can blame you in every chapter or somebody else in every chapter. But the reality is you're not to blame for anything that happens in my life. It's how I respond to what happens to me. It's how you respond to what happens to you. I hear people all the time say, you know, my life is jacked up because of my mom and dad. My, you know, I'm not doing any good at work because I have a really bad boss. Have you looked in the mirror? Maybe you're a bad employee. Oh, of course not. There were some people at 930, but certainly not 11 o'clock. <laughs> and we're always looking around us to see why we are where we are instead of looking inside us and realizing it's only the things in us that we can change we often can't change the people around us so we have to change our position and change the way we think so paul says in second corinthians chapter 10 by the meekness and gentleness of christ i appeal to you i paul who am timid when face to face with you but bold when away i beg you that when i come i may not have to be as bold as i expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. So Paul's addressing a wayward Corinth, a city that had lost its direction. 
and had begun to function as a society by the standards of the world. Now, let's talk about the standards of the world just for a minute. You know, oftentimes we would we would pick out a few pet sins and and we would say, you know, don't drink, smoke, cuss or hang with people who do and and you know, those are the big church attacks. But the reality is the greater problems are brothers hating brothers, being critical of one another, gossiping about each other, slandering one another. I don't think the pet sins that the church has preached about for a long time are the big sins. I think it's how we respond to each other. I think it's how we talk about each other. I think it's about how we talk to each other. I, th I think it's all of those things. How we judge one another. How critical we are of each other. Instead of looking at somebody and speaking to their best and talking about their potential, we talk about their past and what they've done. When in reality, we all have a past and we've all done things that are... Um, Disheartening. We've all done things that, that we wish we hadn't done, every one of us. And so it's very, very important that we not live by the standards of this world. What are the standards of this world? Well, okay, if somebody does you wrong, then do them wrong back. Look for an opportunity to mess their life up, to maybe the way they messed your life up. That's a standard of this world. When somebody's mean to you, you get mean to them. When somebody talks about you, you talk about them. Those are the standards of this world. Get them before they get you. When everybody at the company is talking about the boss, and you know there are 15 people that work with you, and 14 of them are talking about the boss, you just feel compelled to jump right in. That's the standard of this world. Instead of standing up and rising up, you join the crowd. And so our challenge in church, our challenge in society is to begin to look at things differently and say, we're going to make mistakes. That's a given. All of us are going to sin and all of us have sinned. That's a given. The, the difference in a follower of Christ and the standard of this world is that we respond differently. And you'll see that in this next couple of series of messages. And Paul goes on to say, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So basically, Paul's saying your problem is not flesh and blood. Your problem is not your boss. Your problem is not the company you work for. Your problem is not your spouse. Your problem is not your neighbor. Your pro list goes on because we're always looking around us to find a reason for feeling the way we do so that we can validate the way we feel. In other words, I am just in thinking the way I think. I am justified in feeling what I'm feeling. I'm justified in retaliating. In, instead of looking inside and saying, you know what, God, there's a higher standard here. Those who were crucifying Jesus, he looked down from the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. I mean, how can somebody say that when you're being in an excruciating pain and yet Christ is able to look down from the cross and say, hey, forgive them. They really don't know what they're doing. What would happen if you looked at somebody who treated your, you mean and it'd just be kind of funny to look at him and say, uh, God, forgive Bob. He knows not what he does. You know, at the job, if somebody's treating you mean, God, 
Uh, forgive Larry. He doesn't know what he's doing. You see what kind of response you get with that. Because that's the standard of God. Because God's saying your battle is not against those people. Your battle is against principalities and powers and spirits of darkness in heavenly realms trying to prevent heaven from getting to earth. When Jesus said, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you think that you've got a non-stop on that prayer request from heaven to earth? Absolutely not. Between heaven and your prayer are principalities and powers and spirits of darkness that try to prohibit the answer of God from getting to your life because you forget about it. We have to persist in prayer. We have to persist in faith. We have to stand firm when everything around us is shaking and wobbling. We have to stand strong in that which we prayed for. Because the powers of darkness do not want heaven getting to you. To getting to your place of need, your place of pain, your place of hurt. Paul's saying, you've got to learn how to battle this because your neighbor is not your problem. Your boss is not your problem. You haven't been cheated at work. You say, but I worked overtime and I've worked hard and somebody else got the promotion. And, and, and we whine and we complain instead of saying, God, thank you for the job. I thank you that my promotion's coming, but it's going to come in the time that you want. And the promotion I want is waiting on me, and I'm going to connect with it. But i got to keep my mind and heart right for that to happen. You can't get to your next level with the attitude that you currently possess. Because it's going to require a better attitude, a higher level of faith. We go up because we leave some things down. You have to put down the flesh. You have to put down the bad thoughts. You have to put down the negativity. You cannot go to higher levels with the baggage you possess. It will not take off. There is a weight limit in your soul to get higher in altitude. And sometimes you've got to cast off things that are holding you down and negativity and pains of the past and everybody's wronged me. All of that is baggage and weight that you can't carry to the next level. And Paul is saying you're fighting the wrong fight if you're looking around blaming everybody else for where you are today and where you've been your whole life. I hear it all the time. Well, my parents would have done this and if my uncle hadn't done that and if I'd have gone to a different school, if I'd have had more opportunities, every day that you wake up, you have an opportunity to look to heaven and say, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life on earth as it is in heaven. And today I declare it's going to happen. You look around you and you see people succeeding and prospering and, and it just looks so easy. You know, you watched them when they were nothing and now they become something and, and you get critical because why didn't it happen to me? Why don't you talk to them and ask them the price they paid to get to where they are? And I promise you it was a good one. Amen. Pretty great price. The problem is in our culture today, we look around and we're looking at everybody else instead of looking to God. And we're criticizing everybody else because they're having a better life than us. Don't be the weak link. You have something to contribute to community. And community has to continue to elevate. And it will elevate because people elevate it. There are people who are lazy and lay around. And I'm not saying any of you are that. That's not. Or anybody watching. That's not what I'm saying. But there was a man driving down a, a very isolated road. And. It was a hot, sunny day, and it was humid outside, and he's just minding his own business, having a pretty drive on this isolated part of the country, and 
And as he's driving down the road, he looks ahead and he sees a car off on the shoulder. And he's thinking to himself, hmm, it's really hot. This is really isolated. I wonder what's going on. So he slowed down and he sees a woman standing outside the car, kind of looking down. He's curious, thinking, well, this is kind of weird. I wonder if she needs help. So he pulls up behind her and, and he gets out and he notices what she's looking at. She had a flat tire. Well, she didn't know what to do, didn't know how to change it. So he goes up and he says, ma'am, can I help you? He's going to play the role of the Good Samaritan. And she said, well, you know, obviously here I got a flat and I'd really appreciate it. And he said, well, pop the trunk. So she popped the trunk and he gets the spare out, gets the jack out, jacks the car up, takes the flat off, and puts the spare on. And, and as he's tightening the lug nuts and getting ready to walk to the back of the car to let the jack down, the woman looked at him and said, would you... Please let the jack down gently. My husband's asleep in the back seat. <laughs> the standard is low for the husband. Instead of waking him up or instead of waking up, he's laying asleep. Wondering, many people are asleep. Instead of getting out and, and being diligent and working, the Bible says the hand of the diligent shall rule. Don't be the sleeper. Be the one that says, I'm going to do something outside the realm of my comfort zone. I'm going to do something that takes a little effort. I promise you, if you do to others, God will make sure others do for you. And so Paul says, quit fighting against those who might be the answer to your prayer. Sometimes the person that is going to open the door to your future will be the person that challenges you to change more than anybody else. There will be people in your life that God will put in your life that will be there and you think they're from the devil. And God put them there. Because God wants you to grow. You can't go to the next level. You grow to the next level. You don't just go there. You grow there. If you can't develop a good attitude, your work skills may be great. You may be on time every morning. You may work a solid eight hours every day, but your attitude stinks. Let me tell you something. It's not just your skill set that will elevate you. It will be your attitude and your response in crisis that causes you to be able to go to the next level. Just recently, Susan and I uh, moved in uh, to a house together. She sold her house. I sold mine. We got married. We moved in to a new house. and Not new, but another house in the neighborhood. And, and we both come from the country. And, and so moving in neighborhoods I had already moved into one before marrying her but it had been a very hard transition because in neighborhoods guess what that means you have neighbors when you live in the country you don't have neighbors you just have coyotes deer and you know if they act up you can just shoot them <laughs> not so in a neighborhood and so before we moved in, I, I asked the HOA president for the covenants. And in the covenants, I read very carefully all the things you could and could not do. And, and, and being uh, the type of person I am, even though I sometimes don't like laws, I feel compelled to abide by them because I really enjoy my freedom. You're slow today. And... Uh, so I read the covenants, and, and uh, we were about to close on this house, and my one of my neighbors was violating a covenant in very obvious fashion. Our neighborhood does not allow for uh, company vehicles or 
recreational vehicles to be parked in the driveway. They have to be behind a fence. They have to be hidden. And uh, so anyway, I called the HOA president. And I said, uh, this is a violation of the covenant. My neighbor's got an RV, and I every time I walk out, I have to look at an RV. Now, it's, it's a new one, nice. It's still an RV. I didn't, you know, I didn't. I don't like that. I'm just telling you right now. I'm thinking, I don't want to go out and look at your stinking RV every morning that I go out of my house. So I called again, and I said, when are you going to get this changed? He said, well, let me try it again. So he tried again. And I did not like his response when he got back to me. I had to remember, I don't live in the country anymore. I can't shoot this guy. <laughs> I mean, I, you, I, you say, well, you know, come on, you're a pastor. I, I get it, but I'm having one of those moments where I'm thinking, could you just comply? I mean, this is what it says. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it hit me. God, you're up to something, aren't you? <laughs> you're using this neighbor. To grow me. Because quite frankly. I mean, And this is not even a really good neighbor. And if he's watching he'll never come to this church. <laughs> so I might as well just go for it right now. And, or maybe God will speak to him. But you know. We, Susan and I have gone around and met all of our neighbors. But, but they don't ever come out. They don't, they're never out there to meet us. And every one of the neighbors have called him names. I can't even mention from the stage. And so a part of that made me feel good. Thinking I'm right. He is everything they said. You know. And. And I just want to go with it. And then God says, you know, have you thought about praying for him? And 930, I realized I had never prayed for the guy, except I pray that he moves. <laughs> so you see what I'm saying? I'm operating by the standard of the world. So we have to adjust to be different than what we think we deserve. If nobody else likes him then that means I don't have to like him. That's the standard of this world. If I feel about him the way everybody else feels about him, which confessions here, I feel like I'm going into Catholicism. Uh, <laughs> I want to confess that, you know, I haven't probably really handled that quite the way I should have handled it and hope to handle it better and say, God, you care more about him than the stinking RV sitting by his house. hate it when God makes me preach to me. <laughs> so why do we respond this way? Because we're all bruised. We all have a hurtful past. Every one of us has a hurtful past. And when something happens that rubs up against that bruise or even touches it, we scream. We hurt. And we allow that bruise to determine our response instead of allowing the God, God's spirit to determine that response. So we have to take ownership of a hurtful past. Paul said this out of the Living Bible in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. No, dear brothers, I am still not all that I should be. Anybody here all that they should be yet? No, I think a couple of you jumped the gun on the hands. Yeah, I am. We're not all that we should be. Okay, start right there. I'm not all that I should be. So if I start looking at you, 
You're not all that you should be. I'm not all that I should be. Therefore, we have no right to judge one another. Paul said this. He said, but I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing. What are you spending your energy on? See, I was giving my energy to Norm. I was giving my energy to an RV. How much energy have I spent in the last three months thinking about that? Yeah, I'm embarrassed to tell you way more than I should have. I'm not saying I was wrong to ask. It's not wrong to try to change things. That's not it. But when things don't change, what do you do? Do you get bitter or do you get better? Do you continue to spend energy on something that is never going to change under your watch until you learn to handle it appropriately? That's what's called sideways energy. There is no elevation. If anything, it's, it's sideways at best and maybe going down at worst. Instead of getting better, you have to continue to fight this and you're using energy you could use on something else. How do I... Take sideways energy and convert it to vertical. Paul said, take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ. And you shift it vertical when you start looking to Jesus and saying, Jesus, on my behalf, he said he is our advocate. The Holy Spirit's our advocate means he's our attorney. And he's the one that will represent us before God. And he doesn't bill you by the hour. He represents you. So how do I get rid of sideways energy? Whenever you start feeling this emotion or anger or something towards someone, you have to begin to shift that energy to prayer and say, God, help me to do the right thing and respond the right way to this situation or this crisis. And I know that goes against the grain of all type A personalities because I am one. Type A's, God, if you ain't going to handle this, I'm going to. And God says, good luck. Because we're supposed to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, not lean toward our understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge Him. And so when I begin to try to change you or somebody else, or even change a situation that's out of my control, that means the only way to elevate my life is not to look at it horizontally, but say, I'm taking this vertical, and I am going to seek God and allow God to handle this. Paul said, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. Now, let me address this a moment. Because without a vision, my people perish. We're called to see ahead and look ahead, but we're not called to live ahead. Many people try to escape today by living in tomorrow. Well, today's a wash. Today's done. Today's no good. You wake up in a bad mood. You, had a, you ran out of gas on the way to work. Something happened, and your whole day is gone. So you're thinking about tomorrow instead of thinking, how can I still live today and know that tomorrow is going to be better? The latter shall be greater than the former, but it won't be greater than the former unless you take advantage of today. So he says, I am looking forward to what lies ahead but I'm not going to live there I used to always say this back when I was younger and I, I somebody challenged me on it one time and I used to say man once I get through this everything's going to be great and then I realized that there were more thises that were going to lie ahead <laughs> once I get through this no after this there'll be another this and after that this, another this. And they're going to be this is the rest of your life. 
So you might as well just realize that this that's happening today is to strengthen you for the next this that you're going to face. If I can just get through this boss, if I can just get through this day, if I can just get through this bankruptcy, if I can just get through this, everything in life is going to be bliss after this. Not so much. You miss the point if you think this is the only this that you're ever going to face. And if you wait for every this till you get better, you're never going to get better because there are more thises than you can count. And I realized I'm done with this. <laughs> this is no longer going to be a barrier in my life. Every this I face is going to be another stepping stone to higher levels. Whatever this is that I'm facing today, I'm going to look at this and go, God is greater than this. And there'll be another this. And the next this that comes my way, I'm going to look and say, greater is God in me than this that's in my life. And God is going to elevate us as we take those steps to climb up those thises. You ain't going to forget this. Secondly, don't connect to what's happened to you. Tie yourself to what happened for you. Too many people always thinking about what happened to them instead of what Jesus happened created for them. I know a lot of things have happened to all of us. We've all been through difficult times. We've all had things that we could look. And so many people say, well, I have a hurtful past. If anybody in here has never been hurt, you have been dead. Your whole life. You don't breathe. We don't know how you got here. Everybody. People I've been hurt. I'll, I'll never love again. Thank God. Because ain't nobody wants to be around you. It'd be a burden for somebody to love you. Because you've been hurt. Like you're the only one in the room that's been hurt. Nobody else understands what I've gone through. Oh, we need to build a small group around you. Because you're the only one that's ever been hurt. The rest of us have had a blissful life. Never had a pimple when we were kids. We've been zit free. Because that's what some people think. They look around and think they're the only ones in the whole universe that's ever had anything bad happen to them. We all have a hurtful past. We've all had things happen to us that we wish hadn't happened to us. We've all had people be mean to us. Try being a pastor. There are about three or four people, not at this service, but at 930, <laughs> that were sent by the devil to hate me. And somebody's sitting back there thinking, he didn't realize. I was sent, but I didn't come to 930. Ah, <laughs> oh, he doesn't know I'm here. Whenever you stand up and preach, whenever you, anything, some of y'all think that you're the target at work, that, that, you know, everybody's just mean to you. Start being nice to them. Start being kind to them. 
Start going vertical. Your sideways energy. Sometimes you say, but I, you know, I'm just trying to be nice. You're trying to be manipulative to them to get them to like you. You need to be intentional to get you to like them. Manipulation says, I want them to like me. God says, I want you to like them because whatever you sow, you reap. Quit trying to be something you're not to get somebody to like someone you're not. Because they will like someone you're not if you're being manipulative. So then you have to keep manipulating to keep them liking you. Be you. And don't care if they ever like you. But what you need to care about is you liking them. Because if you like them, the fact that they don't like you doesn't mean anything to you anymore. Because you like them and you just don't care. This one's almost gone. <laughs> Just a little bit of the reason things are going the way they're going. <laughs> and lastly, if you don't own your past and your hurtful past, and you keep looking around blaming everyone else, then rather than you owning it, it will own you. You will become a slave to everything ever done wrong in your life. Why me? I've often asked people, why do you ask why me? You should be saying, thank God, me, because I can handle it. Maybe somebody else couldn't. It always amazes me, and I, 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 I'll try to be careful here because it's not in my notes. So I, it just it hit me. It was years ago. I was, I was flying to China, and right after I got back, there was a plane crash. And every time, I've always followed aviation. I love flying, and I love the experience. Sometimes it can be a little frightening, but for the most part, I like it. And I've always wondered how I would respond in a situation that I would survive. And, you know, and, and you wonder, the question would be, then, why me? That's always a question, why me? Or why did something bad? Or why did something good? Why me? Instead of looking and saying, God, I'm not even going to ask why. I'm going to pray for those who didn't make it. And I'm going to ask you to help me because I did make it. Because I'm no better than them. Instead of looking around, why did somebody else get blessed and I didn't? Why don't you rejoice for those who are blessed? Get happy for those who are blessed. Instead of saying, God, why didn't you do that for me? God would probably do that for you if you quit asking why he did it for them. Your focus is on them, not God. Say, God, I just think that what happened to them is going to happen twice as good to me. And I'm happy for them, but I'm going for double. We feel guilty. We're always asking why, why, why. You and I have to overcome the hurts of our past. Why did I grow up in the neighborhood I did? Why did I grow up poor? Why did I grow up in this school? Why, why? Instead of looking and saying, God, there must have been a reason. And I'm going to... I'm going to capitalize on that reason. I just remember many years ago growing up in a lower middle class neighborhood and, and, you know, a lot of great people, really good people, hardworking families, people doing the best they could. And, and I, I remember watching classmates resigning themselves to the, our culture. And not that that's a bad thing, but, but I just thought there's more to life than what I'm experiencing right now. And rather than asking why I grew up in this neighborhood and watching wealthy people out there buy what they want, live where they want, 
I could have said, well, I could have gotten bitter and said, well, this is just a lot that, that I drew. This is just what God did to me, or this is as good as it gets. And, and you can do that kind of thing, or you can get happy. And maybe circumstances never change, but if you're happy, guess what? It doesn't matter if they change. You see what I'm saying? You don't care anymore. You go, I'm just going to live the life God's called me to live. I'm going to be happy in this. I'm not going to let my hurts keep me in the past. I'm going to move forward in my life. I'm not spending my energy on things that I can never change. When you begin to pray and you take your energies vertical, then God can do the impossible. But when you're still controlling things and moving sideways and trying to get people to do things and like you and all those things and, and, and being angry at people, you'll miss the love of God. We've all had things done to us. We've all been wronged and we've all wronged other people. And we all need God. We need God's grace. We all need His mercy. We all need forgiveness. We all need to forgive every one of us. And you wonder why you're sad, and you're downcast, and you're not getting promoted, and all those things. It's not about your upbringing. It's about what you're bringing up. And if you keep bringing things up to God that Jesus has already paid for. All the pains of your past that Jesus said, I paid for those. I've already taken care of those. You've got to quit bringing those things up. And wondering why you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth. It's because God wanted to develop you into something that maybe somebody else would never be developed into. Strong. Knowing how to overcome the weakness and the challenges. And smiling and instead of seeing the mountain as an obstacle. You see, as an adventure, I've always wanted to climb a mountain. I'm going to climb it. Many people look at it as an obstacle. I look at challenges and go, God must have put this there for me so that I can grow. And I want to grow to the next level. I can look at mosaic and every now and then I can wake up and go, God, I started over. And God says, yeah, you started over because I trusted that you could. And I trusted that you would. I don't see it as an obstacle. I see this as an opportunity to prove my God to be a strong, faithful God who is a redeemer and a restorer. A God who says, I never give up on you and I'll never walk out on you. That's how I see it. So quit looking at your life in a sorrowful fashion, in a hurtful fashion and say, God must have thought highly of me. I wouldn't be in this difficult place if God didn't think so highly of me. If God didn't have so much faith in me. God has more faith in you than you do him. God has more faith in you than any of us will possess. God believes in you. You are a significant part of society. And your story and your tragedy and your difficulty can turn for his glory if you and I will respond in appropriate fashion. So turn your story around. You're the one writing it. Don't let somebody else write it. You write your story. And do it with a smile on your face and redemption in your heart. And believe God that every situation you're encountering, every difficulty is a God-given opportunity for you to turn your energy vertical and not horizontal. And start believing God that everything in your life, either it changes or you can get through it because you're strong in the power of His might. Don't camp at the, the camp of sorrow and regret and a hurtful past. Believe that everything in your life is there for a reason. Whatever it is, whatever the devil meant for harm, God's going to turn it for good. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have given us the challenges that we face. 
I know, God, it sounds strange, but the Bible says that even Jesus, your son, learned obedience through the things he suffered. And I know that today in this house and people watching online, there is suffering going on all around the world. And, and, and there's not one of us that has been able to dodge suffering or to avoid it. We've all experienced it. Losses, defeats, criticisms, hate. We've all experienced it, God. And we ask why. Instead of saying, God, what? What do you want me to learn from this? How do you want me to grow through this? What do you want, God? With every head bowed and every eye closed, all of the turnaround begins by turning to Jesus. So you turn to in order to turn around. You turn to God, and he turns things around. It begins by becoming a follower of Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe today... You've come face to face with the reality that nobody can fix your life but you. Nobody can change your situation but you. And if somebody did change it other than you, would it really change you? It might change your situation, but it wouldn't change you. The whole idea in life is to be changed into the image and likeness of God. Not just in who we are, but how we behave and how we respond. So if you say, Mark, I'm not a follower of Christ, please pray for me. I want to be, I want to ask you to slip your hand up, put it right back down. Say, pray for me. Thank you. Are there others who say, pray for me? I want to become a follower of Christ. Okay. Then let's all pray. And those who are watching online, pray this with me. Say, Father God, today I repent of my sin. I call on the name of Jesus and declare today, based on your word, I am forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.